0: Well, thanks for being with us out on the lawn this morning. My name is Zach Thompson. I'm on staff here at Calvary Bible Church. And I want to share with you one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. And it was the movie Hook. Now, if you didn't get a chance to see Hook when it came out, or if you tend to not watch movies from back in 1991, uh, let me me set up a little bit of the story for you. So, uh, the movie Hook imagines uh, Peter Pan. It, It acts as kind of a sequel to the Peter Pan story. It imagines Peter Pan coming to our world, leaving Neverland, and as he does so, as he becomes part of our world, he completely forgets about all of his past. So he becomes this lawyer, and and a father, and a husband, and he's really good at none of those things. We see him yell at his wife, yell at his kids, all he is focused on is closing this deal which falls apart. But all of his identity, all of his purpose, all of his value is wrapped up in his work. It sure doesn't look, as we're seeing Peter Pan yell at his family, it sure doesn't look like the Peter Pan that we see elsewhere in stories. Well, through the events of, of the movie, uh, Peter ends up going back to Neverland. He has to rescue, try to rescue his kids, but as he gets there, well, he can't fly. He, he doesn't have any of his old abilities. He, he doesn't have his courage or his, or his bravery to try and rescue his kids. It sure seems hopeless. Like he's not going to be able to rescue his family. But there's this turning point in the movie. He's brought back to this, this place that he used to live. And as he's going, as he's looking around this place, a, a phrase is repeated over and over. He says, I remember. He, he goes over to one section. I remember uh, this was going on right here. I, I remember this was happening here. I remember who I am. I remember what i once could do and it's because he remembers it's because he is recalling who he is that is what enables him to fly again that's what enables him to to rally the lost boys to help him that's what gives him the courage to go and rescue his kids he's able to do all of this because he remembers who he is And it's, ultimately, that is the reason why we've spent this summer looking at what do we believe? What do we hold to be true about God and and each other, about us and, and the world? What do we believe? And we've done that because it's so easy for us to forget. When we look at a silly movie like *Hook*, we can maybe ask the question: How could he forget about all this? How could he lose who he was? How could he, how could he lose the ability to fly? If I could fly, I'd be doing that all the time. How did he forget about all this? But the sad reality is that it's just as easy for us. The same temptation is there every single day to forget who we are. There, there's so much that pulls us in different directions. There's so much promises to tell us who we are or to let that uh, let us define that for ourselves there's and yet it falls flat there's so much that promises to give us fulfillment or or uh to give us value or or purpose and yet it's it's unfulfilling and it leaves us feeling hollow there's so much that promises it's going to help us to live in this world to survive in it at least and yet It doesn't quell the longing for more that's in each and every person. And so we did this series so that we might remember. First and foremost, remember who you are. Remember who you are. That the God of the universe, the God who made us and knows us more than ourselves even, more than we know ourselves, that that God tells each and every one of us who we are. And that there's no one, all others pale in comparisons to God's authority to say that, but also his content. So no one is, is more deserving than God to speak into who we are. And no one tells us a better story than he does. Remember that God has said that you have value and dignity and worth. And it's not because of something that we've earned. It's not that we've proved something to God and so, okay, fine, I'll give it to you, I guess. And it's not something that, that we are at risk of losing. No, from the way that you were made in God's image, God says you have value. And none of us are better than any of the others. No, every single person has dignity. And not left on this planet so that we can wander aimlessly, but God says you have purpose. Remember who you are. Remember who God says that you are. But also, second, remember what has saved you, that while God has made us, God's given us every good thing that we have, uh, we've turned to other things. We've gone to different things that say that they offer fulfillment or, or purpose. We've looked at the God who knows all things, who can do all things and said, you know what, I think I could do better. But God did not leave us in that desperation and despair. No, but the same God that we turned away from turned to us in pursuit. That he paid the punishment for our wrongs. That he provided a way to restore the relationship between us. That he once again made it so that who he made us to be, what he said that we are, can be so because he has made it so. Remember what has saved you. This is so important for us for living in this world. It, it, there's so much that, that might blow us off course, and to remain faithful to God in this world is not easy to do. So we remain our priorities to not be sucked to other things by remembering who we are, that what has saved us. But it's not just uh, the, uh, there, there's another side of this as well. It's not just the negative. Remembering who we are doesn't, uh, it helps us to avoid bad things or things contrary to God. But remembering who we are also has a positive side of this as well. See, by doing so, by remembering, by able being able to recall who God says you are, what he has done on your behalf, that shows us what we are to do with our lives and gives us the ability to do so. Just as Peter Pan When he remembered who he was, that's how he regained the ability to do what he needed. In the same way, when we remember who we are, we're able to do all that God calls us to do. So remember who you are, remember what has saved you, and remember what you are saved for. And it's that last point, remember what you are saved for, that we're gonna focus our time on this morning. In the the very final words that Jesus gives, he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he's giving instructions to his followers on what are they to do? How are they to fill their time? What is the instruction that they need? What are they to do in response to Jesus dying and raising again? This is what Jesus says to them, his parting words. This is Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, to his followers, what are they to do? Remember who you are, remember what has saved you, and remember what you are saved for. Jesus gives these instructions as he's, as he's leaving, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations. When, when we see who God says that we are, when, he, when we see all that he has done for us, the response to that, how we live, is helping others to see that truth as well. Now, I know this is a daunting task. there's there's an uncomfortable aspect of this. How do I know when to speak uh, into someone's life? Uh, Where do I get the courage to do all this? Uh, How do I even do, what are the the physical steps to how I make these disciples? Well, I, I think a baseline of an answer to that is actually given 23 chapters previous. So Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. 23 chapters before that, I think we see a little bit of an answer from Jesus. So we don't have to try and figure this out on our own. Was back in Matthew 5, I think we're given some instruction about how we can do this, how we can live for what we were saved for. Matthew 5, as, as was read for us earlier, says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus looks at his followers and he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there's different interpretations as to what does Jesus mean when, he, when he's using salt here, just as there there is different ways that salt was used at the time of Jesus. So some people will look at, uh, at what Jesus is saying, and, he's, and he, uh, they say, Jesus is talking about how salt was used as a preservative at the time, to to help uh, food last longer. So so it's like this, if I was to take a steak and a piece of beef jerky, and we just left it sitting here in the sun for a little bit, uh, which one is gonna be, maybe not safe, but safer to eat after a little while? Would be the jerky, right? Uh, Because it's been preserved, and and one of the earlier ways to do that was to preserve it by using salt. And so some people will look at Jesus and say, well, what he's saying is, you are to be a source of preservation while there is rot and decay in the world, you are to be a source of preservation that sticks out, that helps slow down that decay around you. And that could be the case. Others will talk about how salt was used as a seasoning at this time, and still is today. It was one of the the earliest and and almost only ways to add any sort of flavor to food. And it's it's, it's like this. When I am done with a bag of chips, that is when there are no more chips for me to reach in and grab out of the bag. When Emily is done with a bag of chips, that is after she cuts down the side of the bag and peels back the the bag itself and uses her finger to get all of the salty crumbs that are left within the bag. And and the reason for that is salt tastes good. When we bite into something and it tastes bland, we we would say, well, this needs salt. Or uh, when uh, we crave things, you know, I just want something really salty. And so what people will say, well, Jesus is saying that you are to be something that's craveable. You are to be something distinct, that when others see your life, there's something good about it that's different from all the rest. Others look at it and say, well, salt was used as a fertilizer at the time, or it was part of the the Old Testament uh, purification system. So there's all kinds of uses for salt at the time. And so people are trying to figure out what does Jesus have in mind when he says, you are the salt of the earth? But it's interesting that Jesus spends no time on giving an answer to that. He, he could have easily said, you are the salt of the earth, so, so taste really good, or be a source of preservation in the world around you. He doesn't say anything about that. His focus is on, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose that salt. You are the salt of the earth. Don't lose that saltiness. His focus in this essentially boils down to, don't get lost. You are the salt of the earth. Don't get lost. Well, well, there's so much that pulls us in different directions that tries to give us a source of purpose and identity and value. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Don't get lost in the midst of that. Keep your saltiness people debate over that as well. Well, how can salt lose its saltiness? Scholars will look at Jesus and say, well, salt is a stable compound. So clearly he's making a mistake right here because it can't lose its saltiness. And so to try to rescue Jesus as if Jesus needed rescuing, uh, other scholars will say, well, there's this practice that happened a a little bit in the Dead Sea where saltiness could be restored. It's not the focus of the passage. We're taking something that's that's such a simple teaching right here and making it so complex. Generally, we do that when we don't want to actually obey what's being told. Jesus says, don't get lost. You're the salt of the earth. Keep your saltiness. Essentially, Jesus is calling his followers to be faithful. In the midst of all else that might pull us in different directions, don't get lost. Or what we said in the beginning, remember who you are. You're the salt of the earth. Keep your saltiness. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. Now, there are implications of this. By being faithful to Jesus, that that impacts those around us, the life that we live. That there's a part of it that gets noticed by others. That as we carry out being faithful to Jesus, remembering who we are wherever we go, that has an impact on those who are around us. And we see that idea further on in the passage, the very next illustration that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter uh, five, verse 14. So Jesus says, don't get lost. And then he gives this other illustration that boils down to help those who are lost. So the point of this passage, don't get lost and help those who are lost. Matthew chapter five, starting verse 14 says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but no, they put it on a stand instead, right? Because if you do that, it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, uh, let your light shine before others for the reason of, for the purpose of, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So light is is one of the most common metaphors and illustrations used throughout the Bible. So when the world is full of fear and darkness, God is the light that breaks through. Where, Where there is confusion, God lights the way. Where there's corruption and sin in this world, God is the purifying light. God himself is called light. Jesus is called the light of the world and now he says to his followers, you are the same. You are the light of the world. This means that by following Jesus, by remaining faithful to Him, by remembering who we are, by how we have been saved, what it is that we're saved for, by not getting lost, we can help those who are lost around us. Don't get lost, help those who are. That by following Jesus, that a picture of His love and grace for the world flows out through us to the world. That as we are doing what we're called to live, the person and work of Jesus radiates out of us, showing the world that there is a better story. While we're tempted to hold and grasp at other things for purpose and identity and value, that by how we are living, by being faithful to him, we are showing that there is a better story. Verse 16 said uh, that by your good works, they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. So by your faithfulness, by you not getting lost, by you remembering who you are, by the, by the good that you are doing on behalf of others, that is how disciples are made. That is how we fulfill the great commission. In part, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Earlier, he says, don't get lost and help others to not be lost, to be faithful and do good for others. That is how we fulfill have been saved for. And so think about what this looks like at your uh, your workplace. That by th- being faithful, by, mm-hmm. by remembering who you are, that it's not as some sort of switch, that Sunday morning, I'm faithful to Jesus, but that switches off elsewhere. No, by not getting lost, by remaining faithful, by the good that you are doing on behalf of your coworkers, that is something that God uses to make himself known in the lives of others that when you go to school, that that is a place to not be lost and to help those who are lost. That in your neighborhood, that by remembering who you are, that you have a real opportunity to see God do work in the lives of your neighbors. That as sports are starting up, actually that's kind of a naive statement, as sports are continuing, because they never seem to stop, uh, that you are brought alongside people who are in darkness and that by the good that you're doing on their behalf, they'll be able to see the Jesus who gave you purpose and salvation. Remember who you are. And as we do so, as we we know what Jesus has done for us, we see that seep out of our lives, like a light that cannot be hidden, like a city on a hill. As we know what Jesus has said of us, how he says that we have value and dignity and worth, how he has saved us, as we remember this, We see him use us as a part of the work that he's doing. Because let's not be mistaken, this world is hurting. It's gripped by darkness and confusion and loss and fear and grasping at whatever it can to find some sort of purpose and value and worth and direction. But what Jesus says, go and make disciples. What Jesus says, you, as my followers, go and tell the story. What Jesus is acknowledging is, yes, the world is hurting, but the church is the answer. But you are the answer. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Now, I know that still doesn't take away the awkwardness, and it it doesn't quite give us a step-by-step plan of, all right, what is step 2A of how I help my my co-worker follow Jesus? There's there's still so much that, that we don't have answered in this. But as we remember, as we see what Jesus has done, what he has said that we are, as we remember, we see that we're giving something even greater than the ability to fly. Because the promise that's given in Matthew chapter 8 is, as you do this, as you remember who you are, as you remember what has saved you, as you remember what you are saved for, as you are going and making disciples, the promise that's given is the greatest source of motivation and ability to do what we've been called to. Because Jesus says, as you go and do this, I am with you always. So remember that we have an opportunity to to respond to this Jesus once again in worship through song. And then following that song, we we have an, an incredible time of celebrating baptisms. That was part of what Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That Baptism is this response to the work that Jesus has done, that as he he died and was raised again back to life, we see people who acknowledge that I am dead to my old ways of forgetting who I am, of going towards other things, and been raised to new life in Christ. That we get to celebrate people who know who God has made them to be. We get to celebrate people who know what God has done on their behalf. We get to celebrate with people who know what God has saved them for. So we will get a chance to worship through song and then celebrate together that these people are declaring, I am following Jesus. I know who I am. Let me pray for us, though, before we do that. Father, thank you so much for this time of being on the lawn in the midst of distractions and and being shouted at and cars driving by and planes in the air, that it is the reminder that there are people around who do not know you. There are people who are still knowing what it means to follow you. That you have put us in this place, in this city. You've put us in the neighborhoods that we are in as a place of reminding and telling people who you are. That by how we live, by being faithful to you, by doing good on the behalf of others, that is something that you include us in to help bring people to yourself. So in this time that we're talking about how do we live in response to all that we believe, all that you have done, thank you for the reminders that there are people who need you, whom you love, that can see the work that you've done by how we are living in response to what you've done. In all our days, let us remember who you are or who you've made us to be so that we can live in the way that you've called us to live. So it's you and you alone that we pray. Amen.